Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am chatting with Natalie again for our work of Becoming Well series, and we're going to be talking about this evolution of the industry, like something yeah. that we have been really noticing is this sort of collective shift. And I, I just, it's so potent that we need to talk about it today. I would love to know just kind of what you've been experiencing and how this has been showing up for you and, and you know, that can kind of dive into why we picked this topic and how we've, I mean, we've been talking about it personally and professionally. So kind of how that intertwines with this episode specifically. Yeah, I think we danced around it and and actually danced around it in our, our last episode when we talked about how loud the diet industry and diet culture has gotten over the last several months. And I honestly think that this has happened as a result of the pandemic. Online coaching, we know, boom, during the pandemic, because people couldn't go anywhere. And health started to get a little bit bigger on folks' radars, I, I think. And then alongside that, the diet industry and diet culture was able to latch on to, well, the size of your body is a, a part of, quote, health which brought on an obsession with calories and macros and essentially dieting. And so that's what, what I have sort of wrapped my, my brain around and, and made sense of it in that way. What do you think? I think that it's interesting because it's always, there's so much polarity. And I think that that's mm -hmm. what's made stuff so electrifying mm -hmm. is, and so loud is because of the different camps and like everyone being like, this is the way, this is the way. And it's like, we've swung so far in both directions. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that we need to do that in order to find a happy medium. But mm -hmm. that's what I feel I hear is just like, wow. And it just feels heightened almost probably because of the pandemic, just as people have reflected on, you know, a lot of people had to make lifestyle changes and things like that. Right. So that influenced, you know, people's behaviors, but maybe even as they reintegrated into the world back into yeah. like going yeah. back in person and going out with friends and things like that, like it looks differently again. And so I think, yeah, you know, that's just like the pendulum swing that I keep seeing back and forth. And like, again, a result of the polarity, I think that we see on social media, all of these very yeah. strong opinions that are like one way or the other, or this is the only way or buy my supplements or adopt this philosophy that I have that rules and trumps all like that's, that's yeah. what I feel like has been part, a big part of it. Yeah. Because I mean, whether it's your health and, and fitness or, or whatever it is, we just live in this society of extremes. And I think part of that is because, you know, pol polarity and extremes is, is what sells. People are, are buying like what this like warm middle of like, oh, well, it could be this or it could be this. And it doesn't have to go all over on onto one side of the spectrum. But I think from what I'm seeing is that people are starting to realize that they don't have to be so extreme or they don't have to be so dogmatic and being mm -hmm. on one side. Yep. For sure. And even personally in my coaching practice, things have shifted for me in the way that I work with clients and mm -hmm. in terms of the tools that I utilize and, and yeah. instead of only utilizing one tool right now, I have this toolbox full of tools that I've learned over the last, you know, six years of different right. things to use based on what a client actually needs, because I think so much of, especially in our industry, and, and this goes for any industry, if you're in a business where you're, you know, trying to build your following or build your clientele, they're always telling you to be super specific and be, you know, this 
very direct about who you're talking to and the methodology that you utilize. And so I think that that's where, like, if you see somebody advertising, whether they have a product or a service business, right, it's always something that is really almost branded and also very, very specific. And it's like, okay, yes, but the caveat to all of this is that it will work for certain people and it won't work for other people. It, just to be clear, if anything breaks in my house, I have to call someone. I can't fix anything. But <laughs> I've started to explain it to folks in a way that makes sense in my brain. And it's really hit with, with several people. It's, you know, we look at an actual toolbox. And I don't know the names of them, but I can recognize that there are different tools. And a hammer is for one job and a screwdriver is for another job. But for some reason, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to fitness, we think a hammer is for every single job Mm. and it just doesn't work that way at all. There's all these other, you know, these screwdrivers have all these different heads and types and, you know, there's even different kinds of hammers. But for some reason, when we want to change something about our health, when we want to change something about our nutrition, or we want to change something about our fitness, we get out this one tool and we're like, this tool worked for this job. So it definitely is going to work for my job. And then we hammer it in. And rather than pausing and being like, maybe this wasn't the tool for the job. We're like, oh, I'm the project and I'm just broken. So that's the issue. Yep. For sure. And then it's this game of like shame and blame around, like, I must be the problem. Yeah. And then I think yeah, that, that yeah. just like pushes people away because then we have away. who don't want to engage in conversations because they've only known it to be one way. They've only known it to be a diet or they've For only sure. known it to be something that was, you know, a lot of sacrifice and something that wasn't sustainable long-term. I'm thinking back to an experience that I was, that I was a part of where I was out to dinner with a group of like about eight women. And I was kind of like the speaker for the evening, but What was really interesting is we started off and I didn't, I actually did not start this prompt because I would never want to like just open the table up with this, but the prompt that someone else like guided us through was what are your health and fitness goals that you currently have? And I was like, whoa, that's like a loaded question. Like that can be a really (laughs) question. And every woman at the table was like, honestly, I'm working on my mental health. I'm taking care of like myself from the inside out and like nothing to focus on in terms of like body weight or anything that's more aesthetic. And I was just like, wow, like it honestly made me feel really hopeful for the industry. But almost the other caveat to that is that it sounds like then people aren't working on it at all. Like sometimes that's what it sounds like. So it's like, how can we find that happy balance for clients or people listening to this who are like, yeah, I feel like I'm in that camp of like, I care, but also I don't want to care in the way that I know or have been told or taught to care. So the interesting thing for me, and this is very much a part of my, my personal journey and my personal evolution, which feels like an entire 180 from how I got started on my, on my own journey and which, which catapulted me into this industry and into this business. I've been working on, I've been working on body image issues, gosh, for probably the, the entirety of being in the health and fitness industry. But I've really been working in the last little bit on the concept around body neutrality. And this is something that for the longest time I've had to painfully look at this and painfully admit that my perception of being neutral around my body, being neutral around my nutrition, being neutral around my fitness meant that I didn't care, meant that I was letting myself go. 
And I woke up, literally woke, woke up. This wasn't in a journaling exercise. This wasn't even in a therapy session. I woke up one day and I had been recently put into this position where I was in close quarters with someone who was just like so obsessed over their food and their body. And I, I had these waves of emotions of, well, maybe I should be paying more attention. Maybe I should be tracking this or doing a little bit more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the normal thoughts that we all have. And I woke up one day and I was, I was like, you know, the only reason that I want to quote, pay more attention and by more attention, I mean, tracking macros or tracking calories or adjusting whatever I was doing, removing some of my fun foods would be to change my looks and not, I want to be really clear. Not that there's anything wrong for wanting, you know, if you want bigger biceps, I applaud you. If you want to be able to run further and run faster, I applaud you. If you want to lose some weight and that's for you, I applaud you. I'm here to support you. But for me, when I like realized that I took a breath and I was like, the only reason I would want to change my body right now and the way it looks is because of others' perceptions of how my body should look. Yes. And this was probably the first time that I've ever had this experience. I hired a running coach two, two and a half months ago, and that was probably the start of it because in the past, I never would have considered hiring a coach or spending money on something that wasn't to make me look better or make me feel, feel more like I belonged more and more worthy and things like that. And it was just about having support and finding the joy in running had nothing to do with changing my body. And so this is an evolution that I've been working on for a long time, but the kind of getting to where I am now, has just been very organic and very, very flowy. And what I realized in this process is what I thought, what I was so afraid of is that working on this neutrality would mean that I gave up. I didn't care. It's actually made me care more. It has actually made me more in tune with my health, more in tune with my body and propelled me into making more aligned decisions and choices that aligned with what I value in this moment, what I prioritize and what I define as health. Yes. Yes. And it's like really interesting because I think so many people can, maybe they're not on the other side of that yet. Maybe, maybe they're like, right. okay, I know that maybe I should like loosen the reins or maybe that I should find something that's a little bit more sustainable or neutral people. I feel like know that, but it's almost like we have to go right. again to the extreme and be like, okay, I don't want to do this, or this is really hard for me to maintain my health in this way. Like almost like, you know, having past experiences that were maybe even successful, but they weren't successful long-term. And so there's so much that comes up with this. There's so many like underlying past experiences, so much of our upbringing, so much of diet culture. There's so, it is so complex and rich, you know? And I think that that's what makes it so much like, okay, I'm I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to worry about it. Or I'm just like, I'm just going to take care of my mental health and do my thing. And, and that is so important too, of course, but to have the holistic side of things and all of it coming together is truly, I would say embodiment, right. And the ability for this to be something that supports you on every level. So if you are listening to this and you're like, okay, I've definitely been in these camps before. I want to, I hope that this instills some hope in you that like, it is possible for you as well to have, to have it all, to have all of that, you know, working for you because your body is meant to work as a unit. We're not meant to be separated. And this is where this goes. And that's where this goes. We are meant to just be a human being and have all of those things. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, and I've unpacked this with so many clients recently is when we address our nutrition, when we address our, our fitness, we 
tell ourselves or we come at it from the perspective that we want to enjoy living our life more fully and more completely. Yet we get so entrenched in diet culture that people learn that they aren't doing anything else but fighting diet culture, either not allowing themselves to experience certain things because diet culture says no, or feeling guilt and shame about doing these things because diet culture says that that is your off plan, you're off the wagon, which has also brought me to the conversation with my clients around how diet culture originated back in 1920, Mm. around the time that women got the right to vote. Mm. And this was like mind blowing for me to dive into and to start to unpack with, with my clients was the fact that diet culture by design was just created as another system of oppression. Mm -hmm. And it was designed to distract women from the things that they were achieving, the things that they were doing, read, living your actual freaking life, which is what we say we're working on our nutrition and our fitness for is to, is to enjoy life more fully. And diet culture is the opposite of that. Yeah. I also recently had a conversation with a woman who does a lot of, you know, work around accessibility of, of fitness and different bodies and things like that. And she's also going to be on my podcast. And we were talking yesterday about like how diet culture is also rooted in racism. Like it, it is so not for the people, you know, it's not, it's not for us. It's, it's just this construct that has, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine thinking from the 1920s to now, like, and you can just see it. You can see it because the visual that I like to give clients or or to like represent this is the idea of the idealized body, how that has shifted over the years. Mm. Like if you look up an infographic, just like Google this, like ideal body images over time, you will see this change in the shape of the body. And this is like what we are trying to subscribe to, whether it's conscious or, or unconscious. And I think that that just ties into how much of this is like just so irrelevant, like actually really irrelevant, irrelevant when it comes to our health. And when it comes to like, who decides these things and who decides, you know, this is the ideal patriarchy. Yeah. Patriarchy decides it. Yeah. But but that's such a good point when you talk about like, whether it's conscious or, or unconscious, the interesting thing about that is most of it is subconscious because we only consciously take in 8%. 8% percent of the images and the messages that we are being tossed. And so 90% of the things that we are internalizing are from this subconscious perspective, which is why it's so challenging to butt up against this, why it's so challenging to come to this place where, and by the way, you know, back to the conversation about uh, body neutrality, the only thing it means is that I don't define my worth as a human being, as a coach, as a mom, as a wife, as anything by the way that my body looks, yeah. which completely changes how you show up in your everyday life because you are not affecting your decisions, your emotions, your mood by what you see in the mirror in the morning. Just doesn't matter. But when we think about all of these images and messages that we're being thrown, it gets really challenging to have to continue to do that work. And so being neutral around your body, being neutral around your fitness, breaking up with diet culture is not like this destination that we arrive at. It is always going to be work. There's always going to be work to be done there. Because just like you said, (laughs) the timeline, timeline's going to flip and change again. The way my body was supposed to look when I was a teenager is totally different than the way teenagers' bodies are supposed to look now. It's wild, wild. 
Yes. And I think too, like this just comes back to the point of, I I know the saying is so overutilized, but it's so true for everything in life. Everything. I think that body neutrality is moderation. It's like, okay, yeah, I value, I respect my body, but also like it does not, you know, influence how I show up today. Like that is- exactly. But again, that's more neutral. That's a more moderate thought yeah. than the other camps versus yeah. obviously body positivity or absolute body negativity or just feeling this constant need yeah. to always change your body, which I would say it was like a majority of my, you know, my like 13 yeah. to probably 28, you know, like that phase of life. Yeah. And I'm still working yeah. through that. Like I've thought that way. Oh, for sure. When you think yeah. away for so long and it's all you've known, like, it's, it does take work for us to also move through that. I've shared this with a couple of clients. I saw it on a friend's Instagram and it was this idea that how long does it take you to learn how to ride a bike? So you learn how to ride a bike okay, yeah. as a child. Most people, most people, not everybody knows how to ride a bike. If you know how to ride a bike, can you imagine unlearning how to ride a bike? Would you be able to unlearn how to ride a bike? Okay. Yes. Yes, you can, because let me tell you something that I learned in my adult life. And they say, (laughs) it's like riding a bike. You get right back on it. This is funny. I got back on a bike like 10 years after being off of it. And I was like, oh, you do need to keep practicing this because I didn't know how to ride a bike anymore. So continue. I'm probably ruined my analogy, but you see what I'm saying? Like most people, if it is like riding- I got it back. They get on the bike. You got it back. And it's it's very uh, hard to unlearn the bike riding, because it is something it's naturally been ingrained in us. And that's the whole concept is that it is hard for us to change the way that we think because things are rooted in us. However, it is possible. It is possible to change and to believe new things and to create new neural pathways for those brainwaves to exist and for your brain to actually now accept and establish these thoughts as the truth. So I think that that's yeah, just it's, like, but it's also like, it's also like turning a doorknob. Like we mm. walk to a door and we don't have to think about what do I do? With Correct. This? We know Correct. we turn it, we yeah. turn it. And like, do you remember, do you remember learning how to turn a door though? Nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're going to walk to your next door and you're going to be like, turn that. Yeah. <laughs> so our brains guess- are fascinating. I know truly, I guess what would be cool is if we were able to maybe expand on this conversation and be able to give our listeners maybe some, you know, ways of navigating this, navigating this Mm -hmm. new collective energy, this new shift that we're seeing or how they can, you know, put this stuff into action or or whatnot. Do you have any kind of tools or tips that you'd like to maybe share? Oh, I have so many tools and tips, but I'm going to try to make this concise so that I have something just to take away. But I think that the, the biggest piece is really understanding where diet culture and the dieters mindset shows up. This is something interesting because we think of that as just like food, but it's, it's not. Again, we talked about, I think it was in our last episode that we did together about, you know, the definition of a diet is just a lifestyle. And so dieters mindset really just is this one of like criticism and judgment and restriction and fear from my perspective, at least I'm not going to speak for, for every single person, but starting to notice where your choices and your decisions are rooted from this place of guilt, shame, scarcity, and, and really defining your choices by how it's going to change how your body looks and how you're attaching that to 
your worth as a human. Yep, for sure. I think that in anything that we ever talk about, especially I know for both of us on both of our podcasts, right? The number one thing that someone can do is to plant the seed and to create awareness. That to me is how change starts. We need to have awareness around. And now that you listen to this episode, you're going to see how this is true for you. (laughs) Like, So that's the cool part about taking this information in and, you know, maybe there's not a, you know, practical thing you're going to go do right now, but just allow it to kind of like sit and soak in because you're going to notice how diet culture influences the actions you take, the actions you don't take, how you feel about yourself, the way that you enter a room, right? Like all of these things. And that's the coolest part is that it starts with just thinking about it and just starting to pay attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of actually want these seeds to be like weeds to where they just kind of, you know, trickle around and just keep growing and taking over, over everything. Because I was walking a newer client through this process just at the beginning of this week. And she came back about 12 hours later. And she was like, you know, now, now that we started talking about this, she said, she's like, so many of my, my, my day-to-day decisions, the way I plan and live my life is rooted around like, how is this going to influence the way I look Mm. or how I can change my body or how I can fit in better and all of these things. And this particular client is in her late fifties. So how long do you think that that's had a hold of her? Oh, too long, too long. Too long. There's better, too long. there's better for us. There is, yeah. there yeah. is a magical place. I know. Yeah, for sure. I think too, just thinking about, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that that awareness is going to be the most applicable thing. I would also add to that. It's important that we are, conscious as to what we do continue to consume, whether that's social media or even people that are in our lives. If If you're a female, you most likely have women in your life who have conversations about dieting, whether that's yeah, at work, in your direct yeah. friendships, in your family. They're so- Yeah, family members. Yeah, this is, this is very, very pertinent for a lot of people. And I think that it is becoming more aware of your own thoughts, and then also how we're responding to the stuff around us, because we can't, yeah. we can only control our actions. We can't control what other yeah. people say or what other people do, but we do not need to internalize their thoughts or think that, you know, we need to adopt their way, or you see them being successful on keto, then you need to do keto. Like that's like, we get so quick to just be like, well, oh my gosh, someone really close to me said this or did this. And I'm, I'm guilty of this for sure. In every area of my life, (laughs) if a trusted friend of mine says something, I'm like, oh, okay. That must be me too. Yeah. And I I think that that's really important to recognize that just because a thought pops up, it does not have to become a belief. At that point we can choose to just like, be like, this is a thought. And is this a thought that I want to hold on to, or is this a thought that I want to tell to, to hit the road? Because as you're building this awareness, awareness, the other important pieces to recognize is, is just because you immediately become aware of something or have a thought doesn't mean that you automatically have to act on that and change it. Mm -hmm. It can just like be for a bit. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think that those are two, honestly, really great strategies for kind of just start having this conversation with themselves, start having this with friends, start having it with family members. If you feel comfortable, if it's, if it's easier to like have more boundaries around this and keep it to yourself, that's cool too. Right. I think that it just depends on what you need and what, what feels good to you. But yeah, these are the conversations that we are actively having with clients and we are seeing shift for the people that come into our coaching practices. And I think that I'm really, it makes me really hopeful for the industry and it's, it's definitely started to change and shift in its own ways. 
and I feel like sometimes things are moving along and then I, you know, read something and I'm like, oh my God, where are yeah. we? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we took, we went back 10 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I think just whatever feels good to you, like sticking with that, right? If the, if you subscribe to the other stuff, that's fine. You know, just like whatever feels true for you and being able mm-hmm. to evaluate that. I think that that's the key component because the industry is overwhelming. There are tons of different voices. They are very loud. So it's just important to kind of <laughs> pick what feels good for you. Well, thanks for joining me, Natalie. Thanks for having me or doing this with me rather. Yes, we love it. Thank you.